0: Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter, and so excited about another Texans opportunity Sunday afternoon. Look, I love Sunday night games. Don't get me wrong. I love Sunday night games. That was pretty stressful last weekend, man. I got to admit, got to admit, I like the Sunday afternoon games. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a traditionalist at heart, but I like the Sunday afternoon games Monday night games are cool. Thursday night games, I still haven't gotten used to. Still haven't gotten used to. Sunday are okay, but man, are they stressful! Monday night games, for some reason, I'm cool with them. Sunday afternoon, that's when NFL teams are supposed to play. I'm old school, you know that to a degree. I like. Don't get me wrong, I like the. The other night when they went lights, not lights off, but lights down, and then they had the pyrotechnics as the guys were coming out. That was pretty cool. I got to admit, that was pretty cool. Now they'll do that, I think, during the day. But obviously, you can't go lights down in the afternoon, I don't think. Maybe you could. Maybe you could find a way. But obviously, light seeps through from all the the various corners uh, because of the windows up in the far corners of the place. So you definitely couldn't do that. But Sunday was cool. Uh, Sunday night was very cool. I like the afternoon games. And I will tell you this. I love Battle Red Day. I think, just me speaking, I think the red should be our dominant home uniform. I like the blue. I like the red. I, I can't say this too much. The the all white, I don't know. It just doesn't do it for me. But I like I like the blue pants with the white, which we wear on the road a lot. I like the white pants with the blue. I like that. I like the red. You can wear red with white or blue pants. It doesn't matter. I love Battle Red Day, and it will be Battle Red on Sunday. So wear your red. Obviously, the Bills will be. I would imagine the Bills will be in all white. They might have blue pants, but they'll wear the white tops. And I'm just looking for a team that we don't wear all blue against. We've Every team we've faced has been blue. Patriots, blue. Like, you look across the field and you see a guy in a jacket and you're like, hey, is that guy one of our guys or one of their guys? Think about it. Patriots, they've got kind of a deep steel blue. Then you've got the Titans, and their secondary color is like a steel blue. So a lot of their stuff you couldn't tell. And then... And, of course, we saw guys that we were used to seeing in our colors, now in their colors, and they're kind of the same. Now, the Giants is a little lighter blue. Okay, that's one thing. The Colts, again, another little lighter blue, but still blue. And then the Cowboys, their a lot of their stuff was a similar blue to ours. Not the blue they wear in their jerseys. That's a lighter royal blue. Either way, more blue this weekend with the Buffalo Bills. But wear your red. Definitely wear your red. All right, we got plenty to do on the show tonight. We're going to have our Deep Slant Interview of the Week. This week it is with safety Kareem Jackson. Yes, he'll play everywhere in the defense when asked, but he has been a thorn in the side of teams in particular the last couple of games, but I should say not last two, all year. K-Jack has been fantastic. We'll have my first community credit union first glance keys to the game, offense, defense, and gotta can't forget about special teams. Got one with special teams as well. Then I will give you my picks to all of the games, straight up and against the spread. It's just my way of going – around the nfl and giving you the stories and things that are happening in the nfl then we have a visit from one of my good buddies eric son he is the senior director of digital media and strategy for us for the texans he used to work with the sec southeastern conference not the sec the uh securities exchange commission which i had to deal with many many years ago but he handles everything that we do from a social media perspective when I started here, we just had Eric. Now Eric has got he's got people underneath him, and Jesse and Anov, they work, they work closely with him, but he is watching everything that goes on with technology, and it's a fascinating conversation with Mark Vandermeer, so we'll have that. And then we have our player segment. We will get to know Kaimi Fairbairn. We will have player reporter, a.k.a. Kjack TV, sponsored by Arctic. And then we have the final word with Drew Doherty this week. It's a guy that I think has played extremely well the last couple of weeks. Extremely well. I said at the beginning of the year that Zach Cuttingham was going to be one of the top five players on the team when this season was over, or there was a chance. I mean, I was being hyperbolic in some sense. But Zach Cuttingham has played extremely well, and hopefully he will continue that going forward. It's a big one. A big one against LaShawn McCoy, Josh Allen. It's a big one for Zach Cuttingham and Bernard McKinney. There's no question about that. Now, we start the show, as we always do, whether it's Wednesday, Friday, Monday, it doesn't matter. We always start... With our hot reads. Hot reads presented to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. And our first hot read every single Friday is a conversation with the head coach of your Houston Texans, Bill O'Brien. OB sat down with Mark Vandermeer earlier today. Coach, the
1: Bills' defense, this is a really tough bunch. What makes them so good up front?
2: You know, I just think that even from my time in New England, Kyle Williams, you know, 13 year veteran, great motor, knows how to play the game, and then. Jerry Hughes, seems like he's been playing for them forever. Really good off the edge, having a Pro Bowl year. Uh, Linebackers, really good athletic downhill guys, tough guys. Lorenzo Alexander and Edmonds and Milano. It's a a very challenging front to run the ball against, no doubt about.
1: And they seem good at forcing fumbles as well as a unit.
2: They're they're winning games because of that. If you look at the Minnesota and the Tennessee game, you know, they, they were able to force uh, turnovers and uh, give their give the ball to their offense on a short field, which, as you know, is big, and, uh, and and they've done that in two of their wins.
1: So you're going to get continuity on the offensive line, back-to-back weeks here. So what's it going to take to run the football a little bit better? I know you want to do
2: that. Yeah, you know, we just – you know, I think uh, I've got to call a good game, and, and we've got to get these guys in position to, to block what they're seeing, and we've got to do a good job of knowing how Buffalo's playing us uh, – you know, earlier in the game, be able to adjust to it, and uh, we, we've got to try to establish a running game.
1: Now, what about their offense? Josh Allen. You talked about him in your Friday press conference a little bit, but there's sort of that unpredictability factor as a rookie, right?
2: Yeah, I mean he's um, he's a big, strong guy that can make all the throws. He's got a really good arm, but he but he's people underestimate, I think, his ability to escape. You know, he can run, makes plays on the run. Uh, he's made a lot of plays for them, bootlegs, but even. Uh, scramble type plays where he's throwing the ball down the field and made big plays and and that's how these guys play now in college you know so that's really carrying over to pro football a lot of plays are being made outside the pocket by these by these quarterbacks and he's one of them
1: why is your defense starting to play better now
2: you know I think um, you know I, I think that they're playing together more uh, in practice uh, you know knock on wood. Hasn't been as many injuries on that side of the ball as there has been on offense. And, uh, you know, guys, I mean, there's been some corner injuries, mm-hmm. you know, but for the most part, the front, uh, those guys have been playing together. Dylan Cole is out, but uh, most of the guys have been playing together. And even in, the, even in the back end, the safety position has been playing together. Mm-hmm. J. Joe's been out there. And so uh, we have had some injuries, like I said, but, you know, I think the more and more they communicate together, play together, practice together, meet together, I think that's uh, that's a big deal.
1: What about the kicking game in this one? Field position is yeah, huge. it's big.
2: It's big. They have some really good uh, core, uh, you know, core special teams players, and and we've got to do a good job. They've got guys that can really cover kicks. They've got guys that can return kicks. Uh, you know, it's a big. It's going to be a big challenge for us
1: battle factors in pulling out the W. I
2: I think it's taking care of the ball Vandy on on offense we if we come out of the game with no turnovers you know we'll be in good shape I think the turnover takeaway battle is going to be huge in this game and then I think at the end of the day it's who, who wins the who wins the line of scrimmage I think it's going to come down to you know which uh, which line you know defensive line offensive line you know really outplaying the other side of the ball it's going to be a big part of the game
0: Good luck, Coach. Thanks, Vandy. All right, let's move on to the all-important injury report with our next hot read. Here we go. What do we know about this one? Not much, really. I mean, we know a lot. The injury report is out, but there isn't a whole lot, I think, to glean off of the injury report. First of all, let's start with the Bills. Who is out for the Bills? And there you go. Nobody is out for the Bills. and uh, The injury report, everybody was back at practice today, ready to go. The Bills, I suppose, are as healthy as any team could possibly be at this particular moment. So, the Bills will be firing on 100% full bore, ready to go. Now, I give you that news to give you this news. Deshaun Watson is listed as questionable. He was a limited participant in practice today, but... Listen, what questionable means we've seen Kiki QT be questionable in play. We've seen Lamar Miller be questionable, suit up, not play. We have seen Will Fuller be questionable in play. We've seen Will Fuller be questionable and play and play only a half. Then he was full go last week and played the entire game. So what questionable means, who really knows? Now, I told Mark earlier this week I thought that he was not going to play. Just my gut feeling. And I said that, and normally I'm, I'm fairly positive about things. I don't fall into the negative side. And I don't even know if that's being negative. But just seeing the hits that he took, I knew he had to be pretty sore. And I would imagine he didn't do a lot in practice, especially as a limited participant. I don't know how much he got done. I don't know how much and at what level the coaches and the medical staff needed to see him this week in practice. Saw him on Friday. He looked like he was in great spirits. He was running around, but you just never know. You have no idea, especially with the injuries that we're talking about with him, with a chest. And who knows in the chest? Is it ribs? Is it chest? Is it lungs? I mean, I, nobody knows. And it's probably meant to be that way. So Deshaun Watson will be questionable. I hope we see him. I want to see him. But if we got to roll with Brandon Whedon, we got to roll with Brandon Whedon. That's just the way it goes. But at least, no matter what we're looking at with Deshaun, we're not looking at a full year's time or even a half year's time as we were last year. Because when that news came down last year, it was a gut punch of enormous proportion. So, from that perspective, whew, okay, no matter what happens on Sunday, whether he plays or doesn't, we know that he will be back again the following week, which will be Jacksonville, in a game that is hugely important. Hugely important. But... Because the 0-3 start, there's no margin for error, so every game from this point forward ends up being, I don't want to say must win, but games that you are favored to win, you better win. And especially your home games. So the crux of the injury report is the Bills have no one out. The Texans have two out, Aaron Colvin and Brian Peters. I think we anticipated that. We won't see them, I think, for a few weeks. But Deshaun Watson is questionable. I think it actually ends up being pretty much fifty-fifty. If he wakes up on Sunday and feels like, man, it's just I, I can't generate the the power of my throws, then I I think they'll go with Brandon Wheaton. I don't know what'll be the deciding, the determining factor. I've said this about Deshaun. I think he's the toughest dude you're going to find anywhere. He is ultra tough, but you also got to be smart about it too. So we'll see what happens. But Deshaun Watson. Questionable. He's the only questionable player on the injury report. Everybody else is in and ready to go. All right. When we get back, it's time for our deep slant interview of the week. This week it is KJ Kareem Jackson coming up next on Texans Access. Calling all Houston area teachers. Want to bring a little Texans football to your classroom? Then sign up for Toros Math Drills presented by Conoco Phillips. Toros Math Drills is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. Welcome back to the show, Texans All Access, on this wonderful, wonderful Friday evening. It has been beautiful for the last couple of days. And trust me, we have – we've needed – yes, it's in the 80s, and I get that. We'd like a cool front to come in, like to be able to wear sweaters and all that. We'll get there soon enough. But October is one of my favorite months of the year. You're about halfway – through the football season, both high school, football, uh, college, and pro, you got nice weather coming in, especially in Houston. I, I, you got Halloween at the end where you get to eat a lot of candy, etc., cetera, et, cetera, et cetera. So I look forward to this time of the year, especially when the Texans are playing well, and after two straight wins, hopefully they'll play well. On Sunday afternoon against the Buffalo Bills, difficult though it may be. Now, let's get into our Deep Slant interview of the week This is always one of my favorites. And this one in particular is a favorite because, you know, I love these interviews with DP Sidhu. I think she does a great job. And whenever you have a subject as open and outgoing as Kareem Jackson, it can be all kinds of fun. Now, we're going to hear KJAC TV later, but DP and Kareem actually discuss being on KJAC TV, a.k.a. Player Reporter, sponsored by Arctic. And you'll find out that's – I mentioned Arctic because there's a funny moment coming up here pretty soon in this interview. But so much about Kareem Jackson this year from a play on a field standpoint. It's been fantastic. He's been, I think, the right move moving to safety. He has been unbelievable with Justin Reed and Tyron Matthew. I think the safety group is as good as we've had in a long, long time. But then off the field, Kareem's got a personality. Just His smile lights up a room. He is great with the players on Player Reporter, and we'll have this week's edition later in the show. He sat down for the deep slant interview of the week with our own DP Sidhu. DP?
3: Joining me today, starting safety, starting cornerback, (laughs) host of KJAC TV, Kareem Jackson. I got to say, my ratings are going to go through the roof today, having you on, Kareem?
4: Through the roof.
3: (laughs) Having you on. Okay, I want to get to the KJAC TV in a bit. You're having so much fun. Ton of fun. Both on and off the field. So let's start on the field. Uh how much fun you're having. You had the interception against Dallas. You now lead this franchise with fifteen interceptions. What was your favorite interception of all of them? Um, you know?
5: Probably probably my first pick six. Just you know. That's pretty memorable for me. You know, my first time getting in the end zone in the NFL. So that'd probably be my, my favorite what one. What game was that again? It was Tennessee. Uh I actually don't remember the year, but I remember the play, though.
3: Okay, what was the play?
5: Um, I remember the route they ran. They ran double in, and I remember what coverage we was in. We was in cover eight. This was when Wade, uh, Wade Phillips was here. We was in cover eight, and I got a good jump on it, and I picked it off and ran it back for a touchdown.
3: Did you high-step your way into the end zone? That seems yeah, to be I your did.
5: move. I did. What's did.
3: inspired you to do that? Is it Deion Sanders? Oh, uh, Definitely. OK,
5: definitely. Growing up, um, Dion one of my favorite players, you know, just seeing him high step, you know, every time he got an interception. So, you know, it's almost, you know, instincts and it just kind of kick in and just instantly go to that.
3: You had the interception in the Dallas game, but you also had nearly that walk off pick six. Yeah. Walk us through what your emotions were like after that. I think the entire stadium just sighed because it was I mean, it was a tough play to make regardless but
5: yeah. what was your emotion i after think that? I, I i definitely should have made it um if you can if you remember i just laid there for a little <laughs> while and i was just like i can't believe i just dropped that but um for me making that play you know it's kind of getting us out of that situation without you know not having to go into to overtime you know definitely would have been huge for us as a team but um didn't make it, but, you know, we, we finished the game and over time, you know, we was able to get a win. So that's, you know, that's the only thing that matters right now. That's
3: true. I saw a stat in that game that when Dak Prescott targeted you, his passer rating was 5.6 and Pro Football Focus graded you fifth in the league in your run defense grade. So nine years in the league now, do you think this is the best that you've ever played? Um,
5: So far, I think, I think there's probably, yeah, so far still got a long season to go you know um, um for me I want to constantly you know improve each and every day I still feel as though you know I got a little bit more out, out there I can go get you know um, and for me I just want to be a big part of the team you know and, and be a piece of the puzzle that you know going out and being consistent day in and day out
3: you know and helping us win games how much was moving to safety part of the fact that you've been playing so well because first people thought it was that they thought oh he's moved to safety looks so comfortable but even when you switch back to corner there's no drop off in your level of play you just seem to be playing like your hair's on fire this year did you I, do something different this off season?
5: I actually didn't I actually did the same stuff you know um physically I feel a lot better than I felt you know in previous in previous years you know um and um coach Luke you know and their training, and their staff coming in you know with the strength and conditioning has been a big part of that you know but um I actually did the same stuff I did in the off season, you know. Um, I mean, for me, I just try to, I just, I just want to improve every year, you know. I I go into every year and I approach it differently, you know, from a mental aspect, you know. But at the same time, I still want to get better in every aspect of my game. So, um, I've been in some great positions this year, you know, whether it's play calling or whether I, you know, just technique why I put myself in, you know, good position to be able to make some plays. And I, I mean, I've just been able to, you know, make the plays.
3: DJ Reader called you a Swiss Army knife. He said you're able to do everything. Right. And I, I feel like every year in OTAs, we would see you line up at safety at some point in the offseason. But this was the year that you officially made the switch, that the team actually moved you to safety. How did that decision go down? When did you find out that you were making the move?
5: Kind of right after OTAs. And I had a conversation with uh, my DB coach, Coach Rack and coach o'brien and, and it was basically you know what was best for the team you know andre Howe going into his situation and you know him not being, a, being able to play so um that that was you know pretty much the best move for the team so you know they told me it was going to move me to safety and you know for me i just wanted to embrace that that move and, and, and still be able to go out and, and compete and play at a high level i felt i could do it just because you know from a mental aspect i pretty much knew every spot in the secondary already because in, in previous years, I played a little bit here and there in certain games at safety, but full-time moving there, you know, I felt like it, it, it wouldn't be a problem. So, you know, I've been able to go out, and I learned the defense inside and out, and I've been able to go out and, you know, been consistent in some of the things that I've been doing.
3: It's not even just learning the defense. I think what I hear about you the most is your tackling ability, your ability to bring down guys. Do you think that's your strength of your game?
5: Yeah, I pride myself on being able to tackle. Definitely a tough league, and, you know, having, being out there in, in space with guys and being one-on-one in the safety spot you got to be able to get them down so I definitely pride myself on my tackling
3: you had J. Joe at corner now you've got Tyron Matthew what's it like having him as your tag team at safety you got another SEC guy back there
5: definitely definitely um SEC guys, man, we, we <laughs> even if we 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 not we don't play together right off the bat, and some some years down the line, we eventually get on the same team. It's all it's it's like we already brothers though. But um,
6: you're
3: always enemies uh, in college, and it seems like everybody comes yeah, here and then everybody gets along. Yeah, all you SEC um, guys,
5: it's been great having Ty here. You know, he's been he's a huge part of our team. He's a great leader in the locker room. You know, on, on the field as well. Played a ton of ball, has a ton of experience. You know, Pro Bowler, All Pro, all that. You know, all the accolades. But um, I guess that's the thing for me you know that's most impressive about him is just the way he's approached approach every day you know he comes in he he works you know just like he he's a young guy like he you know he still has a, a ton to prove but um that that's probably what impresses me about the, the most about him but like i said it's, it's been great you know just the communication wise with with him and you know just seeing him going out and playing and and just having him here everything's been great
3: you now have two girls. You yes, I do. added to the Jackson clan this off season. Actually, was it training camp or right before training camp? Right
5: before training camp. Right before training camp. What's
3: it like having two little ones now? Um, I want to know what you're like as a dad. I bet you're so much fun.
5: I, I, I don't have any say-so at my house.
3: <laughs> the girls it, have outnumbered yeah, you? It,
5: it goes my two-year-old daughter, which will be three on Sunday, it's my wife and then it's my three-month-old daughter <laughs> the, the three-month-old is above you. yeah she she can't even put together words right now and she still <laughs> has more say so than me so it's i told my wife yet yeah, yeah just yesterday that i was going to move upstairs permanently and you know, <laughs> if you guys need me just holler upstairs. just holler yeah because they're a handful um especially my my oldest daughter is is just like she's about to turn 15 and she's only about to be 3.
3: Yeah, those the terrible twos are one thing, but I think um, there's a terrible two that r- goes all the way till they're 5 because terrible 3s and then 4s. Yeah,
5: fours. I was listening to her last night and in my head I'm saying, how are you even saying some of this stuff right <laughs> now? You're not even <laughs> supposed to know any of this stuff and this is like it is just like talking to another adult and I I can't believe it. she's growing so fast and she's so smart and and, and it's scary cuz like I say, I don't have any say-so.
3: Okay. Do you think you'll ever make it the Jackson 5?
5: Um, I don't. Uh,
3: I'll probably, I'll probably I'm probably asking too soon, yeah, right? Not, I should give it some time before I ask you that. not
5: 5, <laughs> possibly 4. But we got to get three first. So. No,
3: five meaning like three kids and the two oh, you and your oh, wife, okay. right? I thought
5: you were saying five kids. Oh, five kids, is a, five I is Jesus. That's um, a lot of
3: that's a lot of kids.
5: Yeah, eventually it'll definitely be. I meant the, all de- of you. Yeah, it'll definitely be the Jackson Five eventually.
3: You think so? Yeah. Oh, definitely. that's good to hear. Jack TV. Everybody knows about it. Ratings are through the roof. You got sponsors. You've got guests. You've got players. Everybody wants to be on your show. People really get to see your personality in that. I think I'm I'm very proud of the fact that people get to see like how we see you right. on the show. What do you think you want people to get out of that?
5: Just pretty much just to just to see the guys' personality. For us, is you know when we're here, you know it's all about football. Everybody outside of outside of the locker room only sees us in our helmets and you know and, and when we're out there running around on the field and stuff. I want everybody to see that you know we have another side. You know, um, you know we got some funny guys in there. We got guys that. You know, don't talk much. We got guys that can't shut up. You know, we got guys that (laughs) like to to
3: sing. (laughs) I like to
5: sing, like to dance. So, you know, I just want everybody to be able to see a different side of us and and definitely enjoy it. You know, so um, I mean, and and for us, you know, we we we're not just football players. We're husbands. We're we're dads, brothers, and all the other stuff. So, I just want everybody to be able to see you know more than the football side.
3: I wasn't here when you first got here in two thousand and ten, but has your personality? always been like this or has it come out more in the last um, few years
5: i've always been like this but more so outside of the building but uh i think the more and more you know i kind of uh I say became a veteran
3: you're the most veteran guy in the locker room yeah right? i am but john weeks
5: yeah john, you weeks. And john Weeks. me and john weeks is the same year
3: okay
5: so um i just think you know the more i the older I kind of got, and you know, and Coach O'Brien allowed me to kind of, you know, let my hair down a little bit. Then I, I, I just got to a point where I guess I'm one of the guys that can't shut up. But um, <laughs> so I just kind of just let it out everywhere, you know. It's just it's, for me, it's all about having fun. I don't look at coming coming here every day as just a job. You know I like to come over here and like to have fun with the guys you know we, we, we you know we laugh we joke you know we got to have fun because the minute it gets to a point where you we look at it like it's just a job then you know we're not going to enjoy it anymore but um for me it's just all about having fun and you know the day I stop having fun then it, it'll be a problem but so, like I said, I just I just love to have fun, even when I'm at home and you know wherever I'm at, you know I'm, I'm I like to be the same person every day. So it it's going to be some fun, you know, if I'm if I'm involved in it.
3: Well, we're having a lot of fun watching you on KJAC TV and on the field. Hope you keep it going. All time leader in interceptions, Kareem Jackson, and you can catch KJAC TV. It's pretty much everywhere. It's on HoustonTexans.com. It's on Instagram. It's on Facebook. It's on Twitter.
5: Definitely. We, right yeah, We we're, we're all worldwide. over the place, man. We um we thinking about taking Kajak T V on the road in the off season. Um, oh okay. that's a long time from now. We're gonna be playing for a long time. Yes. But um we we got some more um some people we're gonna go out and we're gonna bring on to the show. And all of the fans out there that love Kajak T V, you know, we do it for you guys and we hope you guys are enjoying it and um yeah, I guess that's it right now.
3: Yeah, but okay. Well, you just wrapped up the show for me. You're just a natural.
5: I'm just a natural. You're just
3: a natural. All right, Kareem Jackson, thanks so much, Kareem. Right, thank
5: you.
0: Some really fun stuff there from Kareem Jackson and D B City for our Deep Slant interview of the week. When I first met Kareem, which I got in the building in 2014, and that was really the first time I got a chance to meet him, even though I'd covered the team before that, he was not married. He didn't have kids. Now he's got wife, two girls, and God bless you, Kareem, Pops, it's kind of nice to see those girls, and it, it goes fast, man. It goes fast. You blink, and you look up, and you got a junior in high school in your house. And it's like, how did that happen? Where did the time go? So best of luck, Kareem, and thank you very much for being on Deep Slant. As I said, you'll hear Player Reporter, a.k.a. KJAC TV, sponsored by Arctic. I love how Kareem sh- he shouted out his sponsors, which is absolutely fantastic. Coming up next... The keys to the game. How will the Texans win this football game on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills? Stick around to find out right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to a Friday edition of Texans All Access. From the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter. and It's time for this week's First Community Credit Union, First Glance, Keys to the Game, as brought to you by FCCU, First Community Credit Union, the official credit union of the Houston Texans. All right, offense, defense, special teams. To get a W against Buffalo, We're going to talk about this a little bit later in the show. But the Texans are a 10-point favorite. And you'd think, ooh, yeah, 10-point favorite. Got to feel pretty good about this. I think that's lulling fans into a false sense of security, if that makes sense. It's going to be a tough, tough football game against a very physical team. Sean McDermott has this team playing in his mold. He's a former defensive coordinator. They play very close to the vest, they try not to turn the ball over, they let the defense do their work, they play complementary football, they very much so complement each other other than an offense that doesn't score a ton of points, but they do score when they're given the opportunity from their defense with a lot of turnovers. They're plus one, I believe, in turnover margin. Nine turnovers they've created, they've given away eight. It's time for that to obviously take hold for the Texans. So let's get into this one. And let's talk about the Texans' offense. Now, number one key. Bill O'Brien talked about this on Friday in his press conference. I thought it was pretty interesting. He talked about Kyle Williams. That guy's been around forever. Forever. He was a defensive tackle for Nick Saban at LSU on a 2003 national championship team. This guy has been playing the game for a long time. And there's a reason for that. A, he takes care of himself. But B, he's one heck of a football player. Now, I bring him up because my number one key, if you think back to, I don't want to say the worst offensive outing, but the worst that the run game performed this year was against the Giants. And the Giants had two guys inside and in Damon Harrison and Dalvin Tomlinson that just ate us alive. No matter who was blocking on those guys, ate us alive. Now, in that game, Snail Calamete did not play. That was a big factor as well. But in this one, you got Kyle Williams, and you also have Star Lotulelei, who is a beast. To move those two guys off the line of scrimmage to allow for your run game, to me, has got to be—it's got—it's something that has to be done. And I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you consistently move those guys off the ball. But you're gonna have to find a way. So controlling 95, even after all these years, is something they definitely have to do. And then Star Lotulelei on the inside as well—he is a massive factor. So, they've got to move both those guys off the football to have any shot at winning this football game. And that is key number one, because you've got to run the football. You've got to be able to run the football because you want to take some of the heat off Deshaun Watson. And I think the only way that you're going to be able to do that is by moving guys in the middle and getting some movement and allowing your running backs, Lamar Miller and Alfred Blue, to make some hay up inside. All right, let's get to key number two, and that is going to be to never throw late in the middle of the field. Now, you've heard. People say that before. You never throw late in the middle of the field. Never throw late in the middle of the field. That's an axiom that coaches, players, they preach all the time. It becomes even more important because, A, Deshaun Watson does buy himself time getting out of the pocket, and whether it's Brandon Weed and Deshaun Watson, they both will buy themselves some time. And throwing over the middle is not as difficult as it used to be. But this week it becomes problematic. Why? Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde. The, one of the best safety duos you're going to find in the entire NFL are those two guys. And they will turn teams over. They are excellent. Excellent. Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde make things really difficult on opposing offenses, especially in the middle of the field. Now, they will float play in the line of scrimmage and play the run a little bit, but those two are ball hawks in the middle. If you are late with the football throwing it over the middle, that is going to be very problematic. They've given up two passing touchdowns in the last three weeks. Two passing touchdowns in the last three weeks. They faced the Titans, the Vikings, the Packers. None of those went to a wide receiver. Both went to tight ends. So throwing a ball, late over the middle, Poyer, Poyer and Hoyd are going to really make you pay. Which leads me to number three. You've got to use all 53 yards of the width of the field stretch those safeties a little bit. Make them run sideline to sideline. And as they get tired running sideline to sideline, maybe boom, maybe you hit one uh, down the seam to one of the tight ends or you find Kiki QT down the middle of the field or you can hit Hopkins or Fuller deep behind those two safeties. But if you keep using the 53 yards of the width of the field, then you really have got a good opportunity to make some hay offensively to stretch the bills. If you take this into the phone booth, Man, they really got you where you want it. Spread them out formations. I know Coach O'Brien loves to do that. Continue, He'll continue to do that, and I think that's really going to work. But working the outside the numbers areas, making those safeties split and have to go different places, that is really going to help. So keep using all 53 yards of the width of the field. Number four key, winning one-on-one matchups in particular up front. I did a Telstraitor for... KPRC, and you can see that on game day. And it has to do with the Bills' defense. Because in facing the Bills' defense, the one thing that really stands out is how disciplined that group is, especially in the front seven. And on that play, the Titans ran a split zone. And so basically, they're blocking a zone zone blocking play to zone running play to the left. And then they take uh, a tight end and then they go kick out the defensive end that might be crashing down hard when he's not blocked. And so they split the zone. And so the running back has some ways to go. The Bills were so disciplined on that play. So disciplined. Everybody just fit right into gaps, and then they all ran to the football. So that disciplined sort of defense, you know where they're going to be. They're not, it's not going to be like facing Clowney or Watt where from play to play, you don't really know. You know these guys, you know where they're going to be. But that makes it that much more important to win one-on-one matchups up front. You won't move the ball if you don't beat Kyle Williams. You won't move the ball if you don't beat Starla Tulele. You don't move the football if you can't block one-on-one against Jerry Hughes or Shaq Lawson or Trent Murphy. Those guys will eat you alive. You've got to win one-on-one matchups. Now, obviously there are some double teams built into some of the run plays and obviously into the pass protection as well. But if you don't win those battles, they're not going to give you things. They're very disciplined up front. So they won't jump out of a gap and give you something easy. They're going to make you work for everything, so you've got to win those one-on-one battles. Number five, deals with pass protection. Build the well. And what I mean by the well, and Coach O'Brien talks about this a lot, build the well, throw from the well. We want quarterbacks, when we face quarterbacks, we want them to throw from the well, especially guys that can move like Josh Allen. You may hear me talk about this in just a few minutes. But build the well around the quarterback. Build that protective shield, that bowl, if you will, that arc. Build it nice and neat and give quarterbacks time to throw the football without trash at their feet. Run those defensive ends upfield if Murphy and Lawson and Jerry Hughes are going to want to go up the field. Run them right on by. He did that really well with DeMarcus Lawrence. But it might mean you have to use running backs and tight ends to chip a little bit more or even double team to keep them out of there. And they've done a good job with that. Jordan Thomas and Ryan Griffin had to team up a number of times the other night to block Shaq Lawson, or uh, excuse me, to block uh, Tank Lawrence. They may have to do it for Shaq Lawson this week. They may have to do it for Jerry Hughes. Jerry can turn and burn the edge. If he wants to run high, take him on out of there. Give that nice pocket to step up into to make clean throws. The cleaner the throw, the better opportunity you have to win. To get those cleaner throws, you've got to build the well. Build the well and hold that wall strong. Last and certainly not least, goal to go. Now, with goal-to-goal situations, here's the one thing that I really really hope that we can avoid. And that is, we consistently talk about it. It now has become an issue. And when something becomes an issue, it becomes, for everybody, oh man, here we go. Now we're in goal-to-go situations. How are we going to screw this up? What are we going to do this time? And that's not the attitude you want to have, obviously. You want to go down a goal-to-go situation and go, okay, we're going to put this one in the very next play. And I know, I know Bill O'Brien thinks that way, and I know Deshaun Watson thinks that way, but in the back of everybody's mind, it's like, oh, man, okay, uh, this has been our bugaboo. Let's succeed here. Okay, what do we have to do? And everybody gets extra cautious, and then everybody gets tight. You just got to get down a goal-to-go situations and run plays that fit for what Buffalo wants to do down there. If they want to run man Here are the plays that work. If they want to be in zone, here are the plays that work. If they want to load the box, here are the plays that work. If they want to spread out with you, here are the plays that work. Go to the plays that work. Those will be ones. And the thing is, there were plays the other night that were there in goal-to-go situations that didn't get executed. I'm telling you up front, I've seen the film. I've watched it backwards and forwards. There were plays there. Now it's time to make those plays in goal-to-go situations. Why has it become even more important this week? Because really all it's going to take is a couple times in goal-to-go situations where you turn you know, two drives into 14 points. I mean, 14 might be all you need. I'd obviously like to see them get more. You haven't scored less than, what, 17 all year, and you got 17 at Tennessee and really didn't even play all that well at Tennessee. So that's the kind of defense you're facing. If you can get to 17, I think you can win this game. I really do, especially once we get to the defensive keys. So let's jump to those defensive keys. Number one. It does not start with the quarterback. It starts with LeSean McCoy. Typically, I would tell you every time we face a team, quarterback, 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 this week, and we're going to get to Josh Allen a little bit later. But you're not facing Andrew Luck. You're not facing Tom Brady. You're not even facing Eli Manning. You're facing a rookie of Josh Allen who has struggled, and they don't allow him to throw the football that much. We'll get to him in a little bit. The reason I bring him up is because the offense isn't predicated on LeSean McCoy. They will feed him the rock. Even if they're going to trade him to Philadelphia, who, who knows? But they're going to feed him the rock. And bottling up LaShawn McCoy becomes very difficult. He's got the jump cut. He can make you miss. He had a huge ball game against the Texans back in 2015. Now, he got some help from Terod Taylor, but they can run some of the zone read stuff with Josh Allen that they ran three years ago. Now, different offensive coordinator scheme, etc. But LaShawn McCoy can bounce. He can strike and hit quick up the middle. He can make you miss in space. He can make you miss in a phone booth. Bottling up LaShawn McCoy is huge. No seams. Same way you played Ezekiel Elliott, you got to do the same thing. Number two, attack the high point of Kelvin Benjamin. I could see the Bills having some struggles offensively, just saying, hey, look, let's just try and get Benjamin free. Let's just try and throw one up there. He's taller than everybody in the field. He's six six. He's a big dude. Go throw it up to him you're going to have to attack the high point because he's going to go high point to football, and you've got to attack it. Just rake the arms down, grab at the wrist, whatever you got to do defensive backs, but attack the high point of Kelvin Benjamin. Number three, underneath defenders must, must, must be aware of LaShawn McCoy and Charles Clay. Clay doesn't get as many targets as he's got in the past, but he is a problem. If the underneath defenders start taking things for granted, they're not disciplined, They were more disciplined last week. Not all the way where they should be, but they were more disciplined last week, and I think that really helped them. Underneath defenders must be aware of LaShawn out in the passing game and Charles Clay. Those are easy routes for Josh Allen to throw and pick up some cheap yards. Don't give that to him. Number four, if it's not LaShawn McCoy, it's going to be Chris Ivory. The Texans have faced Ivory a few times before, whether it was with the Jets when he led the league in rushing or whether it was with the Jags the last couple years. Your big boy pads are needed. And this is where it becomes interesting because LaShawn, you've got to be hot on your feet. You've got to be quick. You can't lunge. You can't go to knock him out. He'll make you miss and make you miss in a quick minute. Chris Ivory then pops in the game and you're thinking, okay, now I've kind of been light on my feet and all of a sudden here comes 33. And he's a bowling ball from butcher knives. He's going to run you flat over. So when you see 33 get in the game, get your big boy pads ready because he's going to bring it. And last and certainly not least, no escape routes for Allen. He must be forced to throw from the well. And that goes back to my almost first point from the offense. Build that well for the quarterbacks so they can throw from it. With Allen, you need him to throw from it. Because when he gets out of the pocket and he starts moving, then everything goes awry. Everything. He can scramble for a first down, run for a few yards to pick up, you know, turn third and nineteen and I'm sorry, turn second and nineteen into third and five. But if you keep him in the well and you keep him there and force him to throw from there, he is incredibly inaccurate overall at this point in his career. Now it's gotten better and it will get even better, but it's not where an NFL quarterback should be. If you let Eli Manning throw from the well, well, he's gonna go twenty five and twenty nine like he did. Andrew Luck to throw from there, he's gonna go forty to sixty two. Josh Allen is not going forty to sixty two, he's certainly well, he could go. He's not going 25 to 29. What he's going to do, if the Bills want to win this game, is to go 14 of 22 for about 170, a touchdown and no picks. But if he's having to throw from the well the entire time, then it becomes that much more difficult. He can make any throw on the field from from the pocket, from out of the pocket, behind his back, whatever. He can make those throws, but doing it consistently and being accurate consistently is not something he can do. Make him throw from the well. No escape routes for him. Do not let him eke out of it. Swallow him whole. And that leads me to special teams. Building off the defensive part, the defensive special teams got to work together, and here's what I mean. If you force Josh Allen to have to start at the 25-yard line every time or, or less, depending on where you have the ball and you're punting, you cannot allow them to stay Deal points by giving up a big return. They catch the ball at the 10-yard line on a punt. You hold them right there, they start at the 10. They can't sneak out of it for 20, 25 yards and get to the 35. The Cowboys did that one time the other night. Tavon Austin got a return of about 25 yards, I believe. Got it back to about the 45. Now, the Texans' defense stayed solid and came up with a huge three-and-out there. But that's a lot of stress and a lot of pressure if they've got to do that repeatedly. But that's what the Bills need. The Bills need help offensively to be able to put the ball in the end zone. But if you don't give up returns and you force Josh Allen to have to go the full field time after time after time after time, they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. They're not going to be successful doing it. And Allen can't do that repeatedly. Maybe once in a game. Maybe. So special teams, has got to compliment defense. If you got to punt it to him, hold him back inside the 10, 15-yard line. Make him go Make him start the drive inside the 20. Make him go 80-plus. Do that, and you've got an excellent chance to go win the football game. All right, coming up next, got my picks. I pick every game straight up and against the spread. It's kind of my way of going around the NFL. I'll give you a few nuggets on each team as we go through as well. We'll do my picks next right here on Texans All-Access. We have got one hour in the books. We've got one hour left to go. Welcome back to Texans All-Access on this beautiful Friday evening from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. Busy weekend tomorrow. I'll be in Nacogdoches. Got Stephen F. Austin and Central Arkansas. Sunday got the game against the Bills and our Brown University football reunion weekend. We plan one every year, and by we, I mean, well, Rod Wooters. Rod lives up in Dallas, God bless his soul, but he's up there, but he cheers to the Texans because obviously we're all close with O.B., so everybody coming down, I don't know how many guys we're going to end up having this this weekend, but it's going to be really good to see the guys and hopefully be able to celebrate a win. Last year we did it for game one. Yeah. That was not fun after game one. So it's always been better when obviously we win and then everybody's able to celebrate the win a little bit. And then head coach makes an appearance for a few minutes and, and then obviously has to get back to work. So hopefully get a win against Buffalo and then we can all celebrate. But I know my guys are Out and about in the city, I think, tonight and definitely tomorrow. Wish I could join them, but got some football to call on Saturday. Either way, it'll be a fun weekend nonetheless, especially if the Texans end up winning. And for some of you, if the Texans end up winning by more than 11 points. Now you know where I'm going with this as I segue into my NFL game picks. I pick games against the spread and straight up and my record has improved to 94.6% against the spread. If you believe that, I got some river property for you right here in the city of Houston. I did not pick Thursday night's game. For some reason, I didn't get a pick sheet from my buddy, so I would have picked Philadelphia. And I'm still trying to figure out what the you-know-what is going on with the New York Giants. They were lousy in two games before they played us. Then they looked like Super Bowl champs against us. Then they they looked Good against Carolina and looked lousy at home on Thursday night. The Eagles were all kinds of awesome. I I, I would have gotten that one right because I would have picked the Eagles, even on the road. I have little confidence in inconsistent teams, and that seemingly is what the Giants are. Some would say a bad team, but last week against the Panthers, they should have won that football game. 63-yard field goal beat them. A 63-yard field goal beat them. On the road at a tough place to play in Carolina against a really good football team, and then last night they just all over the place it was brutal it was not even a good watch but I'll tell you what you'll watch the Giants because Saquon Barkley is a dude (laughs) I told you at the beginning I'll tell you again Saquon Barkley equals dude now obviously there's a lot of hand-wringing about what's going on in New York they should have drafted a quarterback in a class that was loaded with quarterbacks they decided to go with Barkley ironically Dave Gettleman GM drafted running backs in the first round in the top 10 two straight years Christian McCaffrey in Carolina and then Saquon Barkley at number two for the Giants. Now, the Panthers didn't need a quarterback. They needed McCaffrey, but top ten, I don't know. But either way, let's get to my picks. But before I do, Maestro, give me my music. There it is. All right, let's start in Atlanta. Oh, boy. Things are dicey for Dan Quinn and the Falcons. Lost last week to Pittsburgh on the road. Falcons sit at one and Four. Injuries have decimated that team, and it was clear last week against Pittsburgh they just couldn't stop the Steelers. They couldn't stop the Bengals the week before that. They can't stop anybody. Now Tampa Bay comes to town, and Tampa Bay is as up and down as it gets. And Atlanta is favored by three, which essentially is what Vegas says. We really don't know anything different between these two teams. They're about even, so we give the home team essentially three points. That's what it feels like, but you know what? I think Atlanta's going to get off the schneid. I think they will... Find their defensive spine, if you will, get a W, and cover that three points. So let's go with Atlanta to win and to cover over the Buccaneers. Atlanta moves the two and four with that win. Then you've got Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. And remember what I just said about Vegas. Vegas will put a line. Typically, if teams are even, they'll give the home team about a three-point edge. Cincinnati's four and one, playing as well as any team in the NFL. They're playing Pittsburgh, who is not playing as well as any team in the NFL. And the line is even. It's a pick'em. I think Cincinnati's just a better football team than Pittsburgh. Now, Cincinnati didn't play like it last week in the first half. But they eventually got their groove. They found fifth gear, and they got in the left lane, and they boat-raced Miami in the second half. Now, it helped to have a couple of pick-sixes. That said, I think Cincinnati's playing some really good football. So I'm going to go with Cincinnati to win, and obviously the win will give them a straight up cover because the line is even. So Cincinnati will go to five and one. And I like seeing I like seeing teams in the AFC that could possibly be wild card candidates just kind of phew. so Pittsburgh going to two, three, and one will be kind of nice for everybody else, and of course for the Texans, if you're thinking well that's down the road, so we won't worry too much about that. I just think Cincinnati right now is playing better football. I don't know if Cincinnati's better overall than Pittsburgh, but Cincinnati's playing better right now. Bill Lazer at offensive coordinator, it's ironic because I talked about my friends for Brown. We all played against Bill Lazor in college. He was a quarterback at Cornell. He has done a way of a job with Andy Dalton in that offense. And I think Cincinnati outscores Pittsburgh and gets you the win in the cover. Cleveland gets a visit from the L.A. Chargers. Again, this is an even pick'em spread. Years past, this would have been Chargers probably a touchdown. The Cleveland coming off a win, sitting at 2-2-1, two, two, and one, tied with Pittsburgh. Did you ever think you were going to say that? Baker Mayfield has been all kinds of awesome. He has really given that offense direction. He's given that team direction. And they're feeding off it. Now, they didn't score much against Baltimore. Four field goals, one of them in overtime. The Chargers will force them to score. But, no, Joey Bosa, I think, makes it a little easier for Cleveland. I'm going to give Cleveland the straight-up win. I can't believe I just – you know what? I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm going with the Chargers to beat the Browns. That moved Cleveland to 2-3-1. The Chargers moved to four and two. I just think the Chargers with Phillip Rivers, you know, the first win, I believe, of Hugh Jackson's career was against the Chargers back in 2016. They got one win that year, and that was the win over the Chargers. I don't think the Chargers let that happen. Again, Chargers get the win, and the cover, obviously, being a pick spread. Seattle goes to Oakland. Oakland has been a defensive mess. That's what happens when you trade. The NFL Defensive Player of the Year for 2016, Khalil Mack. Oakland relying on young guys on defense, especially up front. P.J. Hoff, from San Houston State, Arden Key from LSU, Maurice Hurst from Michigan. It hasn't come together just yet. But Seattle's going on the road. Seattle has played much, much better at home for the most part. They did eke one out against Arizona on the road. Eric, to that point, Seattle's favored by two and a half. But I think Oakland's going to find something. I think they're going to find some resolve. I think Oakland's going to get the win at home, and obviously they're going to cover uh, and get inside that two-and-a-half. Even if Seattle wins by one, I'm picking Oakland to get inside that two-and-a-half, but I'm picking Oakland to win straight up. Two of the surprise teams in the NFL. Who would have known that going into week six, Chicago and Miami would be playing one as a three-and-one team, one as a three-and-two team, and Chicago is favored on the road by three-and-a-half. Whoa. Huh? Really? Chicago's favored by three and a half. That's what happens when you score forty-eight and the quarterback catches fire, you're coming off a bye week. It feels like Chicago should win this game. Miami self destructed in the second half. But I think playing at home, I think Miami will get it back together. A self destruction like that, they can either they can either circle the wagons and rally. Or the season's about to go down to Tubes in Miami. Now, I wouldn't mind it going down to Tubes in Miami in some sense because we've got to play them in a couple of weeks on Thursday night, the 25th. That said, I don't think it'll happen just yet. I'm going to go with Miami. Even Chicago coming off a bye week. And I know Matt Nagy coming off a bye week is going to have plenty for the Dolphins. But I think the Dolphins are at least going to get inside the number. So let's go Dolphins to cover the 3.5 to get inside the number. And you know what? Let's go with Miami with the upset win at home. Give me a road underdog. I'll take it. Arizona goes to Minnesota. Minnesota favorite by 11.5. Arizona got the win last week and feeling pretty good. Defense playing a lot better. Rosen to Kirk is a connection I thought we'd see, and it clicked last week for the deep ball touchdown. But going to Minnesota, doing it a second week in a row. Those second road trips, two road trips in a row, can be very, very difficult in the NFL and I think that will catch up with Arizona. I'll go with Minnesota for the win. And I'll go with Arizona to get inside the 11-and-a-half. How about that? I think that Minnesota will get that win, but I think Arizona will at least keep it close. They'll play hard for Steve Wilks. I just think, don't think it'll be enough. So Minnesota with the win. Arizona with the cover getting inside the 11-and-a-half. Indianapolis goes to the Jets. Jets are favored by one. Indy. Getting a few guys back. Darius Leonard should be back this week. And they had the mini bye. New York ran the football all day long. All day long against Denver. I'm going to give the Jets the edge here. One, to pretty much a pick So I'm picking the Jets to win and to cover that one. I think the Jets running the football will give the Colts all kinds of issues. Because the Colts want to run up field. They're not as stout up front as, say, the Giants are with Damian Damon Harrison or the Bills are with Starla Tulele and Kyle Williams. So I think the Jets are going to run the football at the Colts and just stuff it down their throats. Sam Darnold will make a few plays, and I think they'll go to Robbie Anderson over the top. I'm going to take the Jets to knock the Colts to 1-5, and five, even though the Colts played really well shorthanded in a big way Thursday against the Patriots, not last night. Previous Thursday, Washington gets a visit from Carolina. This is also a pick'em. I'm taking Carolina over Washington. I'm not buying Washington. Washington's coming off a short week. Carolina got a momentum-building 63-yard field goal to beat the New York Giants last week. I think Washington is. I think Washington is a year or two. They're starting to build a defensive front, and I think they've got some on the offensive front. I don't think Alex Smith is the right fit for Washington. So I think that Carolina is going to go into Washington on a short week and hand it to Washington. Washington will bounce back. I think Carolina is going to end up winning that football game. The Bills and the Texans. The Texans are 11-point favorites in this one. I think Vegas believes that Deshaun Watson will be back because that's what the rhetoric was earlier this week. I'll let you decide what is going to happen there. But you know how I feel. I'm never going to pick against the Texans hearthead so you can – Disregard what I think from that perspective. I'm always going with the Texans. But 11 point favorite, man. When was the Texans? Y'all tell you the last time the Texans were this high a favorite? It was week 10. No, I'm sorry. It was week 9 against the Colts last year. And then Deshaun tore his knee up on Thursday going into that game. And it plummeted to like Texans 2 or 3. And they ended up losing that game to the Colts. So uh, take that for what it's worth. Rams go to Denver. I know that Wade Phillips wants to show Denver what it lost. I think Denver, after last week, a lot of question marks around this team. Rams are favored by 7.5. I think Denver will circle the wagons and play hard. I think Denver will actually get inside that 7.5 and, and make this tough for the Rams. When in the end, the Rams are just too tough at this point. I think the Rams get the win, but Denver will get inside that number. Jacksonville goes to Dallas. On the road, Jacksonville favored by 3. No Fournette, no Corey Grant. Don't know whether you're going to get good or bad. Blake Bortles. They're on the road for the second straight week before a visit from us next weekend. I. And Dallas plays well at home. Two and three, three games on the road, two games at home. I'll go with Dallas to win and obviously get you the cover. Um, that would be a little bit of an upset, but if Dallas can find, if Dallas can find the receivers a little bit more, the passing game can improve just a little bit and. Bad. Blake Bortles shows up. Dallas can win that football game. Baltimore goes to Tennessee. At Tennessee, Baltimore favored. They're both three and two. Baltimore's favored by two and a half. I do think Baltimore will win this game. I'm still not buying Tennessee. I'm still not buying. Call me a hater, but I'm still not buying Tennessee. Just won't do it. I'm taking Baltimore to win it to cover the two and a half. Kansas City going to New England. Remember, I said earlier, even teams. How Vegas assesses even teams? They give three points to the home team. New England's favored by three. So Vegas sees these as even teams. Now, the only thing I'm keeping an eye on in this one is Sony Michelle. Sonny Michelle Michel has added... I mean, it's basically like Sonny Michel took a filet mignon and he put a good... He's the Oscar sauce on top. That makes it. He's made the meal, if you will. But he's got to be healthy to do it. I do not believe that New England will lose to Kansas City two years in a row. Do not believe it. So I think New England gets the win... And they get the cover of three points. And on Monday night, San Francisco goes to Green Bay. Green Bay favored by 10.5. We'll lay those points. We'll take Green Bay and to get the cover at 10.5. Right, San Francisco losing to Arizona last week. I know Kyle Shanahan's got to be frustrated losing Jimmy G. So let's go Packers to get on track against the San Francisco 49ers and get the win and win by, and hopefully it doesn't come down to a field goal. Hopefully it does not come down to a field goal. My goodness. Now, Rodgers has been banged up a little bit. That is something to keep an eye on. But I'm still going with Green Bay to cover that 10.5 and beat the San Francisco 49ers. All right, coming up next, it's an interview that you will find, I think, very compelling with one of my good friends in this building, Senior Director of Digital Media and Strategy. In other words, Eric Asensio follows technology that changes on an hourly basis. He handles all of that for us right here with the Houston, Texas. I think you'll really like this interview with my good buddy, Eric Sanon next on Texans All Access. Welcome back to a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, football analyst and silent reporter, John Harris. And it's time for an interview with one of my favorite people in this entire building, my good buddy, Senior Director of Digital Media and Strategy, former baseball player, played at the University of Montevallo in Alabama, and just the best dude. He's... If I ever am feeling kind of off a little bit or I need kind of a pick-me-up, Eric Sanen Asensio is the guy that I go to. He is absolutely fantastic, and he leads a department for us in digital media is changing every single day and he has his finger on the pulse of it. Eric had a chance to sit down with the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Joining us now, Eric San and
1: Ascencio, Senior Director of Digital Media and Strategy for the Houston Texans. <laughs> What's going on, Eric? You did it anyway, didn't you? Yeah, you Strategy. Well, you get that long title, but Strategy is an important part of it because it's not just putting stuff out there online and on all the social media platforms. It's when and how to do it, right?
7: Yeah, I think we're big believers here in process. Mm-hmm. So we always try to say as you prepare All the way up to kickoff, and then after that, you're just ready just in case anything happens. Yeah. Because the way a game goes, the way a play happens, you know, the DeAndre Hopkins play that we're able to turn into a great content piece for multiple days after, you don't know that that's coming. Right. But you got the process in place, how you view each platform, and what you think would work well there. Right. You've got all that ingrained, then when that tremendous moment happens, you're able to capitalize on it.
1: But what if a moment doesn't happen?
7: that's a good point too because you've got to have the process involved we don't always win games yeah. we don't always have you know, phenomenal plays that become nationwide sensations so I think again how are you viewing each platform what is the tone of voice like we have a social one-sheeter I'm telling you this you're my boss you know all this but we have a social one-sheeter and we also have a social tone of voice that allows us to understand what are we trying to communicate with our fans through each platform how are we doing that how does that change whether we win or lose because you have to have all those factors considered because, as we know, an NFL season goes up and down, up and right. down, and you've got to be prepared to deliver content despite what is happening on the field.
1: So there are different aspects of this whole thing, and I find this fascinating because when you look at the teams around the globe that have the biggest followings, we're talking about international soccer, football, yeah. international football teams. Uh, you're talking about the Yankees and, of course, the Dallas Cowboys and the NFL. But all these teams have something in common. They don't win every game. Right. But fans still engage. And I come from the talk radio background. So it's kind of it reminds me of that in a way because you put stuff out there, and the fans are responding through the various platforms, right?
7: No, and I think what's interesting about the NFL too, and you say this all the time to us in our meetings, we go seven, eight months without playing a game. Yeah. So we've got to continue to be engaging despite not having a product on the field to promote and help, you know, connect with fans. You look at those soccer examples, you know, they're pretty much year long, or at least in the they're way they're playing. playing. Yankees, you know, they just finished in the postseason. Um, but they play 162 games. So you get the opportunity to have that daily one-on-one interaction that's centered around an athletic event. I think the challenge we face is that there's build-up for each game, which is fantastic. But then after that, you've got to transition and figuring out when to the next game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody, you know, there's so much emotion spent with each game that on the Monday you're just exhausted. You're trying to recap what happened, but then you got to slowly build up to Sunday. It's a unique schedule structure that most other leagues don't have to worry about just because of sheer number of games that we play and, you know, the kind of tight nature of the NFL schedule.
1: Eric Son and Asensio joining us, Senior Director of Digital Media for the Houston Texans. Now, why do the players, not all players, but why do players have more followers than actual teams in many cases?
7: Well, I think because... First off, they've become, become brands themselves. And I think what most fans are interacting with, this generation of fans is more about players. It used to be when me and you were growing up, we followed a team. Like your favorite team was X. Right. I think the NBA and a lot of the social generation that's grown up on social media has connected more with players than teams. So you might be a LeBron James fan. You're not necessarily a Lakers fan, but you are one now because he's there. Right. So I think when you look at players and how much more visible and how much easier it is to connect with them nowadays the Sean Watts the JJ Watts you know how easy it is to tweet at them and hope that they respond that one-to-one connection it fosters this kind of want to be around them want to share with them and want to follow them individually and learn more about their story
1: when you look at the NBA it's such a global thing when you look at the amount of followers these guys have you mentioned LeBron how much of that had to do with Yao how much of it had to do with Barcelona and the original dream team.
7: I think Barcelona starts it all, right? Like, I think if you ask Manu Ginobili, Dirk Nowitzki, they'll all point back to 92 and say that's the moment that where they really got interested in basketball, not only just to play it, but as a possible profession. You see these people and they're your heroes, but you actually get to see them play against right. folks that you're accustomed to. People forget, you know, they played Croatia in that bronze medal game or, or to get to the gold medal game. Tony Kukoc was on that team, Drazen Petrovic, you know, so like right. guys that they grew up following in Europe, all of a sudden were playing Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley. So I think that that's the main thing. But I think secondarily, because – uh, a lot of these stars have grown up with only social media in their lives. We talk about natives and immigrants all the time, right? So right. LeBron's a native. He's been on TV since he was 17 years old. So I think that story continues to culminate. So you've got 17 years that you've been following and being you know, intimately close to LeBron right. James, his family. You know that his son is an amazing basketball player. You know, you know what his family's doing because he shares that. And so when you build that affinity over such a long period of time, I think that's why you see this growth and this connection and people feeling like they're part of the journey themselves.
1: Do you think the international games are helping the NFL in that capacity become more of a global brand with the players and the teams and everything?
7: I think it can only help, right? Because the only way that you get that connection, and this is what's beautiful about what we do here in stadium, right? Like you can watch the game on TV, but being here, sitting in the stands next to other fans, and those moments where we beat the Cowboys and 72,000 are screaming, that's a unique experience. You can only do that at the game. Right. So I just think, you know, the NFL maybe is a little bit behind because they haven't been in the international space as long, whereas the NBA – um, soccer they do these things a little bit more often but i think the more that you actually get to see the game because there's one thing to see it for the first time on television but you may miss an angle i always say this with hockey if you go to a hockey game right. physically you have a much greater experience and appreciation for the sport than you would if you're watching it on television because you see how big the guys are you see how fast it, everything is moving i'd never right. seen a hockey game before i saw one and it was like wow you really understand the gracefulness of the sport i think right. football is the same way because it's a little bit more challenging for a basic person to understand, because there's plays and formations and everyone's going somewhere, and the play stops. It's not like soccer where it's continuous. So I think the more you get that out in front of people, right, the more affinity they'll catch you. Sure. Look at England, right, and the United Kingdom, how much it's grown in terms of fan base, and what Khan's thinking about doing with Wembley and all that kind of stuff. Like That all comes from them being connected to the game, and then you build this affinity over time.
1: Now, in China, the Texans are pretty big, right?
7: Number, number two in the NFL, behind the Patriots.
1: I mean, that's pretty impressive right there. I mean, I feel like... A spinal tap movie reference we're big in japan well we're big in china actually why is that how is that
7: well i think we just put a lot of effort in you know led by your your direction obviously in the department we've tried really hard to make sure that we find unique ways to share content with them and you know, so we've done some things you'd be surprised the most popular Um, not a player, but person or organization in China's Toro. And I think it's just because of their affinity with anime characters and he's Uh a character. And so a lot of times we do giveaways based on him and he does videos for them and we try to do special um, content that speaks directly to them. And, Of course, we've got big stars, which always helps. J.J. Watson, international star. We actually did something really cool last year with Hurricane Harvey, where we were able to take his video, where we were, he's asking for help and donations, put that on our Weibo account, actually get people in China involved with helping here. Wow! So I think things like that, you know, just show you the global reach of what social media is. And I think these are all long-term, you know, plans, right? Like we talk about. Digital is not a Texas thing. It's not a United States thing. It's a world thing. You know, There's 3 billion social media users right. in the entire planet. It's like 42% of the planet. Like, it's kind of scary. So I think when you look at it in terms of that global reach, we want to be in as many places as we can. We've amped up in Mexico as well, South America, things like that, just wherever we have a natural connection and we can talk about our brand, our organization, and our great players.
1: Eric Son and Asensio, Senior Director of Digital Media for the Houston Texans. Now, a lot of people are on Facebook. A lot of people follow Twitter. So what's really hot right now? Facebook, they had that algorithm change. Everybody yes, talked about did. it, yes, getting rid of the fake news or trying to or whatever they did last spring, I guess, or winter. So where is that now, and where is it versus Twitter?
7: Well, I think the demographics depend on your following like as an organization. Like I would say we're a Facebook team. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if you look at our season ticket members, they're a little older. I think they're more comfortable with Facebook. It was the first real open social media platform. So where we have our greatest success is probably there. Um, Instagram has continued to really explode among people like, I would say, 20 to about 35. You know, that's that key target demo that you always talk about, 18 to 34s. I would say that's an Instagram audience now. But then Snapchat's really great because you have the opportunity to reach people all the way down to 13. 13 to 22 is where we're our most popular. 12-year-olds on Snapchat now. And that's what I'm saying. So, like, they're going to grow up in a world where they only have that option to them to share on those social media channels. So I think that's where the strategy part comes in that we talked about earlier. What works on each platform? Snapchat's more creative, more interactive. Instagram is more photo-based, you know, occasional video. Facebook, hard news, more like a website. So I think once you understand what each platform is giving to you and its strengths, then you can kind of craft a strategy that works for each of them.
1: How big – and this this is kind of a loaded question. The NFL is so important for the broadcast network. Of course. The top 15 television programs of any kind in the month of September were all NFL games.
7: That's an amazing stat.
1: It's an amazing stat. But on social media – you mentioned the NBA is huge, and uh, because obviously we're going globally. But how important are sports in general to Twitter and Facebook? I know you visit these places. I've been with you on one of those trips. It's really interesting. You've visited Google and Facebook and Snapchat and SnapFace and SpaceBook and all of it. As Bill O'Brien might say,
7: I think um, I think they're the lifeblood of social media. And the reason I say that is, it's one of the few communities where a lot of people can come together despite their background to have a shared experience. Like Mm -hmm. we talk about this all the time in stadium. There'll be somebody 50 years old sitting next to somebody 20 years old. And all they care about is that they're both rooting for the Texans. So I think what you're looking for, like Facebook specifically, you mentioned their algorithm change, but what they want is more meaningful interaction. That's the whole thing. It's like not just something that's spammy or that's creating a bad experience because in the end they want their feed to be good. So it's interaction, it's community, it's feeling together. What does that better than sports? Especially when you're on a memorable run or things are going well in the organization. There's nothing more unifying for the city, you know, for an online. Social media base like that, then sports. So I think it's really huge, and it shows if you look at each platform. Facebook's done Tom versus Time. Twitter's done some, you know, stuff with different companies doing pregame shows. You know, Instagram launched their IGTV with Clemson football, Tennessee, and a few others because they know that you've got this big group of people that are all united towards one goal. So I think that's what sports can provide that not other. And there's no other discipline really that does that.
1: Where do you think it's going, Eric, 10, 20 years? Are we watching all our games on a social media platform of sorts? I mean, because you have the Thursday night games on Amazon now. Uh, You're doing more and more on these other platforms like Facebook. What do you think?
7: I think my rule of thumb is is, is it's going to go to whatever makes us lazier. And if you think (laughs) about how social media has changed, they call it convenience, but it really is – separating you from having to do something. We talk about this a lot, right? Like you don't even have to go to the grocery store anymore. My wife orders online at Walmart. She shows up at Walmart. They deliver it right to her car. You can do it even better. You call Amazon through Whole Foods, and they'll just send it right to your front doorstep. So I think right. what they call convenience. Kroger Click List. Exactly, the Kroger <laughs> Click List. You know, H-E-B does stuff like this as well. Yep. So I think it's all about convenience. Voice is going to become important too. You start to see Facebook the other day launch something, what they call Portal, which is their answer to basically – to Alexa and Amazon Echo and all these different things that are out there. But I think what's going to really move forward in the next five to ten years is the ability to create an experience without being there. So whether that's virtual reality, whether that's augmented reality, because, and we talk about this in our building, we're very fortunate. we sold out every ticket in the history of our organization. The hardest part for some of our fans is just to get in this building to watch the game. So if you're at home, how can I make you feel the same experience? We do that a lot with the 360 videos that we shoot in the tunnel and things like that. I think it's honestly going to get to the point, and I know the leagues are not going to want to hear this, but in 10 or 15 years, you're going to be able to get a mid-court you know, 50-yard line experience during the game while sitting on your couch because there's going to be enough cameras and virtual reality to make that happen. What that says about us as a human race and how we separate and how <laughs> we, you know, maybe don't interact as much as we used to, you know, that remains to be seen. But you look at some of the VR options that are out there and AR, it's going to get to the point where you, Mark Vandermeer, can sit at home in your house in Sugarland, Texas, and watch um, any basketball, baseball, football game that you want right from your couch and feel like
0: If you would like to hear the interview in its entirety, go to Houston Texans podcast. And you can check out Vandermeer's View, where Mark caught up with Eric Sanacencio, as you just heard. Then he also caught up with Andre Ware. You can hear all of those interviews right there on our podcast page. Go check it out. And Eric is absolutely fantastic. Hopefully, you guys like that. All right, we get back. It's time for our Players segment. Get to know KJAC TV and the final word with Drew Doherty next on Texans All Access.
2: You guys fight, you guys fight, and you fight, and, you fight, and that's that's what's going to carry us through.
0: All the we've been through the last year, all the y'all been through last season, we're about to put this on the line right now, we about to line up. And guess what, 5 we about to purge.
6: we got purge
0: on
1: three. One, two, three. Purge. Texans and Bills set to do business this afternoon. Let's
0: <laughs> purge <laughs>
2: on Cloudy gets there. JJ Watt
5: got him. How we fight for 80 minutes, 60 minutes, 30
0: minutes, 90 minutes? Man, if that doesn't get you charged up for Sunday, then you do not have a pulse. Oh my! goodness now the video that goes with that actually i ripped that from the video but you want to see the video go to houstontexans.com look up the bills v texans trailer or i think it's called coming soon our guys jay mcdevitt and tyler sudard and tyler marcotte matt lombardi those guys do one hell of a job putting that stuff together and all the videos that you see the deandre hopspins video that was the brainchild of one jay mcdevitt and it was absolutely fantastic the guys on triple threat asked me about that the other day now that got me hyped but if you remember back in 2014, there was a guy just as hyped, and he gave this pregame speech to the players, and it's one of the all-timers. Ryan Fitzpatrick, who had played for the Bills, was facing the Bills for the first time, and he gave this speech to the players. and This got them charged up and helped them get to a 2017 victory over the Bills.
2: I'm not a man of many words, huh? but this thing means something to me. Yeah. It means something to me, so if you don't care about me. If
0: you want to know how to play today, to me! Every
2: point! What to me! I will leave to do a win!
0: You heard Tyron Matthew both his pregame and postgame speeches in the first soundbite, and that's Fitzy in that soundbite, because I wanted to emphasize the players. Because our last segment is always about the Texans players. Other segments are about the game or the opponent. This one's always about the players. So we will start with our get to know. Then we will move to Player Reporter, sponsored by Arctic, a.k.a. TV. And then we will give the final word to Drew Doherty. And this week, it is Zach Cunningham. But we'll start with get to know
4: Kaimi Fairbairn. It's time to get to know Kaimi Fairbairn, kicker for your Houston Texans. It's all brought to you by I.W. Marks and Kaimi. Let's get it out of the way. Can you please say your full first name? It's a yeah, beautiful Hawaiian first yeah. name.
8: Um, John Christian. Kaimi noe aoloa meka Ikeoke kumupa'a. Fairbairn. I love That's it. Right
4: I love it. Yeah, Fairbairn is your last mm-hmm. name. So tell me, when's your first memory of having to say your full first name?
8: Um, my, my parents always taught me young so i've always been able to say it the spelling part is the fun part um yeah. i don't remember really knowing how to spell it until like seventh eighth grade it's a total of
4: 56 letters so it's a lot just in the first name the whole name the whole name yeah how many in the, how many in the first name oh the middle name the hawaiian part yes <sighs> i think it gotta
8: be around 40 40 yeah with how like many
4: apostrophes
8: Okinos, I think there's four in there. That's where I have trouble with putting okay. those in there. Mm-hmm.
4: You see, this we've just learned something. It's yeah. not his first name; it's his middle name, and it's not apostrophes. It's Okina. So, yeah. thank you. This is why we do this. Yeah, this fine. is why we do yep. Now, you and I, when we talk, we talk about Hawaii because I love Hawaii. I've been there twice. I've been to Oahu, which is where you're from. Mm-hmm. How often do you get to go back?
8: As much as I can. Um, my whole family's there. Uh, I try to go right after season, kind of. That's my vacation. You know, people. Sure. Yeah, that's my home. So, um, I love it there. I uh, want my kids to grow up there, so it's always be home for me.
4: Okay, we've got some random questions. Uh, is cereal a soup?
8: Definitely not. It's a breakfast. It's not a soup
4: item. So you can't have soup for breakfast? No. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. This is your this is your opinion. Yeah. So we we'll
8: with a that. Weird first question, but okay, I like it. I
4: like it because that's it's what we do question. here. We do weird stuff. All right. So that's not a soup, or cereal is not a soup. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Yes. That's the wrong answer, actually. So, I, why would you well, say well, that? what is it, then? I, it's just a hot dog. It's not a sandwich.
8: But it's in between buns. Isn't that considered a sandwich? That's what I consider a sandwich.
4: <sighs> I just, I don't know. I can't say it's a sandwich, though. Yeah. I just can't go with it's it. It's
8: just a hot dog. It's own, its own category? All right.
4: Okay. There's millions of people watching That's this right fair now enough, that are infuriated I mean, by your answer.
8: Both of those? Yeah, I could see.
4: Not the first one so much yeah. as the hot dog one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
8: I'm from Hawaii, you know. We do things different over there. Fair, okay. Yeah.
4: You're blaming your, your where yeah. you're from for We eat
8: musubis, not hot dogs, you know.
4: Spam musubi. What he just brought up is one of the greatest inventions ever. I don't know why that's not more popular on the mainland, but explain it what it is, please.
8: It's uh, rice um, with a spam on top. It's cooked with uh, soy sauce. We call it shoyu in Hawaii. And with seaweed wrapped around, it's
4: excellent. Kaimi? perfectly done thank you so much thank you
0: that was one of the first things that mark vandermeer learned was how to say kaimi's middle name john christian kaimi and it's 40 letters i really wish i had mark at this point to be able to say it i was going to leave that to the to the professional himself mark vandermeer i was not even gonna i was not gonna touch that i just call him kaimi he's a great dude and has made some really big kicks for the texans this year and hopefully that continues hopefully is not needed as such on sunday but you never know now it's time for player reporter aka kjack tv and you hear right off the bat who the sponsor is i don't even, i don't even think i have to read the sponsor to you to be honest with you but i will player reporter is brought to you by arctic the official coolers and tumblers of the houston texans visit rtic arctic coolers overbuilt not overpriced Here's that man again, Kareem Jackson with KJAC TV, a.k.a. Player Reporter. And we're back. KJAC TV.
5: Here with my guy, Afro Blue. How you doing, Afro Blue? Wait, 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 wait. Shout out my sponsors, Artic, man. (laughs) You got one rule that you can make in the locker room. What would it be?
6: One rule? One rule. It'll probably be a morning rule. Like... First 30 minutes we get in the locker room, everybody kind of collect their thoughts so we get the banging music and guys get to talking. Let everybody wake up first. Dudes need a shower before they leave. Shower before they, they leave. Before they leave. It, it ain't right. It ain't right to be getting in the car, going back to, I don't know, your girlfriend, your wife, whoever you got smelling like that. Dudes need, need to wash your arms, scrub everywhere.
5: So what you saying is we have guys in here that pop the shower pill. I plead the fifth. Justin Reed has spoken about that. That's his one rule for the locker room. You guys out there, you know who you are. <laughs> I probably take out this ping pong table because I ain't that good, and everybody don't never want to let me play the practice. So I probably say, just take that on out of here. That's pretty selfish rule, but okay.
2: <laughs> I'm going to go with the a ping pong rule, right? You have a max of five games a day. You know, some of these guys get too many practice games in, so they're starting to elevate their game above the rest of us. You know, it's a serious tournament. You understand this. I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty
5: good at ping pong, man. It's like riding a bike for me, so I don't need no extra games. Towels
6: is an automatic provide by rookies.
5: Okay. Rookies yeah, so gotta gotta
6: got to get towels. You got to get towels. No oh. option. Ain't no talking back. Ain't none of that, man. Come on. They like gotta it. go
8: get them. I say every day, each position would take over the uh, over the aux cord. over the
5: music, over the music. Well, we might have to implement that one then. Yeah. So you you want a little a little bit more of a variety of music here? Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I love rap, you know, right. you know R and B, but I, I, I like to see what everybody else listens to. All right, well, we might have to implement that one. I appreciate having you on, man. Yo, that dude, man, you I appreciate that. it. Hey, dude, once I mean, again, once again, man. TV, once man. again, shout out Artic, man. Yo, man. We love you, man. KJAC TV, man. We out. Blue TV. We're going to vote for that. KJAC TV ratings going down. So.
0: I told DP, who leads the charge on Player Reporter, that was one of the best player reporters. You go check out the video, the video is great. I love how Alfred Blue is trying to make him blue TV. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely fantastic, everybody. Trying to get a piece of the pie, but that's a good one. Rules in the locker room. Very, very well done uh, for Player Reporter. All right, we always have in our players segment, get to know Player Reporter, and the final word with Drew Doherty. This week, it's a guy who the last couple of weeks, I think, has been absolutely fantastic at linebacker. Second
4: year, I think, due to be a superstar, Zach Cunningham. Drew? Take it away. Many, many thanks, fellas. We've got linebackers Zach Cunningham. And Zach, you defensively are riding high after that performance against the Dallas Cowboys. First things first, how did you lock down Ezekiel Elliott the way you did?
6: I think it came back, came down to playing team defense. And, you know, all of us playing together, all of us, all of us communicating, you know, everyone playing hard, you know, staying focused out there.
4: Okay, let's look over the stats. At just the fourth quarter and in overtime. So he touches the ball eight times in those that, that span. He gets seventeen total yards. He carries the ball five times and he only gets a total of one yard. Mm. It it kind of reflected what you'd done the whole game. But what happened there at the very end against a guy who you could tell this guy's amazing and he had he showed glimpses of it, but y'all y'all really bottled him up.
6: Yeah, towards the end we all knew that we had to, you know, basically anchor down. We all, all knew that we had to uh knew the job that we had to do and so it became even that more pertinent for us to step up at that time
4: how's it been feeling two weeks in a row you get overtime wins after the way this this team started 0 and three got to be feeling a little bit differently in the locker room doesn't it
6: yeah it's definitely a lot a lot more uh, you can tell like the attitude in the locker room is uh, a little bit more uh lifted definitely a, a change that you can that you can feel like kind of in the atmosphere of the locker room
4: how much or how little is just a, a matter of you guys playing together getting some time together in game action Against a team that's not your own, and kind of figuring out each other's strengths, weaknesses, who where to compensate, all that stuff. How much of that is a factor? I feel like, you know,
6: going week to week, and, you know, game by game, that, that all like plays a, a big part in it. Getting more guys, getting more comfortable with the, the people they're playing next to, with the scheme that we're playing in, and just getting to know each other, you know, more in the locker room. And also on the field.
4: And now with the page turning to the Buffalo Bills, tell me about the biggest challenge in shutting down a guy or trying to limit a guy like Lashawn McCoy. Uh,
6: that that's probably going to come down to like like I said, everyone, knowing to do you know everyone's got to do their job, and then helping out you know after that you so know that's that's going to be the biggest focus for us. Knowing that everyone knowing their job and everyone doing their job.
4: How much do you pay attention to the fact that the quarterback this week? Is a rookie, and how much does that help you guys as a defense?
6: Yeah, coming into uh, he's a noisy rookie, there's definitely some th- things that we focus on as far as like rookie, what a rookie quarterback would know, or what a rookie quarterback would would do, you know, just now coming into the NFL, and that's something that we're probably going to be targeting as a defense.
4: How nice was it just playing at home? I know there were a lot of Cowboys fans last week, but how nice was it hearing that crowd noise when you guys were out there on defense? Because even though there were a lot of Cowboys fans, yeah. I mean, I've been here 10 years. That's the loudest I've heard it in quite some time.
6: Oh, yeah, that was definitely exciting. Definitely had a lot of energy out there, and that did help us, you know, just uh, with, the, with the energy that we had out, out there on the field. You know, hearing the fans cheering us on, it definitely pushed us to go harder. It definitely pushed us to, you know, finish out the game.
4: In what sort of ways does that rev you up personally, though, when, you, when, when it's that loud and you can't yell something out loud, you can't hear it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know?
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, but I mean, that definitely is just – you know, hearing hearing that, you know, hearing that in the background, hearing that people cheering you on, you know, it kind of it it fills you up with something that makes you want to push yourself further than you that you would be able to do normally. All
4: right, well, we hope you push it further this weekend against the Bills. Many many thanks for coming on, and best of luck against Buffalo. Okay, Zach. Thank you very much. I don't know
0: about y'all, but I seem to get a Barry White vibe with Zach Cunningham, who, by the way, has got some sweet singing pipes. Sweet pipes. He can absolutely belt it out. Very, very good. He he told Deepy in a Deep Silent interview last year that he had a long history with choir and church, so he grew up in a musically-based family, which I think is very, very cool. I think one of the great things about being in this business is finding some of the hidden talents of players over the years, and it's, it's really cool. I think about Drew Doherty a lot and Sean Cody. Sean Cody is one of the funniest individuals ever. And they really kind of found that when they did On the Nose a number of years ago. And Drew and Sean have stayed close. And Sean is just, he's a riot. And you find out the guys that are comedians, guys that can sing, guys that can ski. There's all different kinds of things you can find out about these guys as you get to know them over the years. And for Zach, well, he can belt it out, man. There's no question about that. Now, he isn't there, but he is capable of doing that. A little question in that. All right. Sunday, Noon kick. Taking on the Bills, two and three versus two and three, Texans favored by a bunch. It's time to go get another W. Haven't had a, okay, here I go again. Haven't had a Sunday afternoon win since the Cardinals game back in November. How about that? So got to go get this one. It's always fun to watch the afternoon games after a win. It is not going to be easy. Trust me on that. But play hard, play disciplined, get after a little bit, get a W, get to three and three, and then get ready to go take on the big bad bullies down in Jacksonville. Appreciate you guys listening. A big thanks to everybody involved, to Bill O'Brien, to Mark Vandermeer, to D.P. Sidhu, to Kareem Jackson, to my buddy Eric and Asensio, to Kaimi Fairbairn, again to Kareem Jackson, to Zach Cunningham, to Drew Doherty, to all you guys for listening. Y'all are the best. Appreciate it. See you on Sunday, everybody. And as always, go Texans.